Hello, and welcome back to the Inside Story with RLC. Today, we're going to wrap up the second part of our two-part episode with Dr. Lynn Adams, where we discuss behaviors. So if you haven't listened to the first part of this episode, definitely pause this one here and head back over there. Last week, we chatted about behaviors as communication, what behaviors tell us, the difference between a tantrum and a meltdown, and how parents can intervene at home. So today, we will finish up this chat with talking about intervention at school, which if you're an educator, this part of the episode will be super helpful to you. And even for parents, this will help you better communicate to your children's teachers what your child may need at school. So we're very excited to share the rest of this episode with you all, and we hope you all enjoy. A question that I that came up when um, we were chatting about this is, what can teachers do in the classroom to help prevent um, meltdowns? Tantrums are different because I think those are easier, right? They sound like, you know, they'll turn off and on as they come, but yeah. Tantrums are very much, very specific situational. Uh, like I said, you can figure out what the antecedent was pretty quickly. It's Susie's right. turn to play with that toy. Oh, there's the antecedent. Right. <laughs> no, you can't have any more ice cream. There's the antecedent. There's it. Yeah, exactly. Those are easier to identify. And we can step away from them easily because we know the child's not going to suffer long-term harm if they have to share a toy, go to bed and not eat ice cream. I mean, right. you know, well, I don't know, maybe ice cream should be, I don't know. I will have to <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream is pretty good. So right. um, the whole thing for the parents and teachers to know, and I started sort of started talking about that, is that they can help the, help the child regulate themselves during the day, particularly for teachers. If you're in a classroom situation, this child has been sitting for 20 or 30 minutes and you know because you paid attention that that's about the end of his or her sitting range. Right. Okay. Hey, hey, um, Jana, why don't you move over to the standing desk for a little while? Yeah. Because we know that, that she likes that. And we know that that can give her some relief from sitting in that hard chair. Or, oh, do you have your bumpy seat? Which is those wonderful things that OTs put in chairs that, yeah. Uh, help work your core and they make the chair a little more comfortable or whatever so maybe we need to we need to know what tools we have available right but we need to know first off what the triggers are if we can get a list in our head of what the what triggers the meltdown we know oh she's fatigued she's hungry right you know we've recently we've coined this phrase called hangry hangry Well, if I can get hangry, I'll guarantee you a five-year-old kid can get hangry. But when they get hangry, it can, if if they're hangry on top of frustrated and frightened, then it just, that's that building of that sensory overload or sensory issue. Um, Because hunger is a sensory issue too. Yeah. Very much sensory. Um, My mouth wants food. My tummy's rumbling. I don't, I feel kind of weird because I haven't eaten anything or I'm really thirsty, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So they know what the triggers are. They need to know what the signs are. So it's not just enough to know, oh yeah, she doesn't like to sit for 20 minutes, more than 20 minutes. I need to know what her signs are for that growing upset. I need to know what right. ramping, what looks like when the meltdown is on its way. Because I mm-hmm. do want to find out the 
head it off. I do want to try and alleviate the meltdown. I'm going to tell everybody who's listening, you can't always do that. So just don't, you're not a failure if you didn't stop the meltdown. Right. You'd be a failure if you just said, oh, well, whatever, and walked away. Right. So what you do is you, you calm yourself. You sit quietly, you make sure the child is in a safe space, and you let them do do their thing. If they are accepting of deep pressure touch from you, then you give them deep pressure touch. If they're accepting of, um, if they want to talk, if they're expressing themselves and want you to talk to them, then you talk to them. But you really have to pay attention to what the child needs, not what you think you ought to do. Right. And that's the challenge for adults, because we're like, oh, yeah. I, know, I know what to do. No, right. no you don't. You know, so um, <laughs> and we need to make sure that we are offering breaks. We don't give kids enough breaks. If we just gave more breaks during the day in the classroom and a break can mean stand up by your chair and you can do whatever you want for. I'm going to set the timer for two minutes and you can do whatever you want right by your chair. You may see that my kid always jumps. Guess what he's telling you? I needed a sensory break. I needed to jump. And if he's doing yeah. that on his own voluntarily jumping is a good thing that's in your toolkit tuck that right. away in your toolkit. make sure the child's basic needs are met like i said if they're hungry if they're tired um if uh if they're if they're reaching back and messing with their the back of their shirt and they can't seem to attend go back there and see if somebody forgot to cut the tag out yeah i don't know about you but none of my clothes have tags in them <laughs> no <laughs> they're so I annoying they're so annoyed and they get back there and and we've all been in a meeting where we're like i want to attend to the speaker but i can't because my tag is driving me crazy imagine yes. if we really we can tune that out if we're neurotypical perhaps but imagine if you couldn't and if that if the intensity of that scratchy tag was just as intense as the teacher's voice so um mm -hmm. we, when we talk about figure ground remember the concept of figure ground you have to pay, the figure is what's important and you ignore the ground Kids on the spectrum, particularly, don't do real good on figuring out what the figure is. They don't do that very right. well. So everything is coming at them, perhaps with equal intensity. So the speak, mm. the teacher's voice is as intense as this itchy tag, which is as intense as this kid sitting next to me who's clicking his pen. And if he doesn't stop clicking his pen, I'm going to lose it. Right. Now, that was actually a faculty meeting when my dear friend Matt Carter was sitting next to me clicking his pen and I reached over and put my hand on it. And I was like, and he looked at me and, this. I, and I smiled and he understood that I yeah. didn't do the clicking pen anymore. But Ooh. I had a socially acceptable way to do it. Right. The, the not socially acceptable way is to reach over and belt him, which I've had kids do. Hit the kid right. next to him. Oh, he's aggressive. He's not aggressive. He needed the kid next to him to stop doing something. And he didn't have the communication or language skills to do that. So he used the next best thing. Right. <laughs> like us to work on his communication skills so he could stop getting hit. Right. He's not enjoying that either. You know? so, <laughs> no. So, and, and as I mentioned before, we can't discount the impact of stress and anxiety. So if we're in a stressful, anxious situation, that's when we're probably going to to put up our little radar and so keep an eye out for the signs of a meltdown. Uh, keep an eye out right. for that because right. we're already anxious and stressful. Mm -hmm. um, 
I know that uh, routinely I would tell teachers who had a child um, with sensory needs in their classroom that you need to know when the fire alarm is going to go off. You can't have the surprise fire alarm. It's not right. fair to the child. It's no. really not fair to the child. And it's not fair to you because you're going to have to deal with the ramifications and the aftermath of this surprise um, fire alarm. So, exactly. Uh, and we and we got principals to understand that this yeah I know you want it to be a surprise it's not, it, it, it'll be a real surprise if it comes out of nowhere it scares this kid so badly that he bolts out of the school and now right we're at a because right. I've been there and done that and I didn't win the foot race no okay, and that's a safety be, issue then absolutely absolutely we have to make sure that we're making sure that the child as we said make sure that they're safe um, so. I, I, the, if we're prepared, that's the big thing. Be prepared. Know what you're looking for. Know what it looks like before it gets here. Have a bunch of strategies and techniques and things available to you to help deal with the meltdown if you can't head it off. Um, right. And I, like I said, sometimes we can. Sometimes, nope, nope, that didn't nope. work. We again another day, but it didn't work today. And just yeah. because it didn't work on Tuesday doesn't mean it won't work on Wednesday. Right. And, and the reverse of that is true, too. Just because it worked on Tuesday doesn't mean it's going to work on Wednesday. So um, <laughs> and that's a source of frustration for parents and teachers because it didn't work today. Because today's sensory needs were different. Today's unmet need may have been slightly different. Um, so but again, the bottom line is don't don't, you know, kick yourself in the, the back end saying, oh, I failed. I didn't head it off. Hey, if you are trying to head it off, you're doing a good job. That right. to me, that's, that's the right thing. Try to head it off. Try to avoid those things that might trigger things. Um, right. So let's see if there's anything else I can't. I, I think I think that's got it. Um, oh, wait, I, I do want to tell one more story. Can I tell one more story? Please. Yes, of course. Okay. okay. Um, kind of back to where I said, you know, that, you know, the, the teacher would say, oh, this is happening for no good reason. It just comes out of nowhere. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I always would. I never said, oh, no, you're wrong. I would go, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to watch. Okay. All right. Right. I walk into this classroom and um, I actually have two stories on this little guy, little guy named Charlie. And Charlie was absolutely adorable. And Charlie was absolutely on the autism spectrum, the moderate to severe range as a young child. He was he was showing a lot of um, autism behaviors that were not conducive to learning at that time. Well, okay. here he is in a, he's in a pre-K classroom. And um, in this pre-K classroom, there's Charlie with, I don't know, seven other little kids, probably a teacher and a couple of assistants. And this classroom had two doors. It had a door from the main hallway and a door in the back of the classroom that went it's like through the library and it was a much quieter okay. um, door. But the doorway off the main hallway, well, here are all these adorable little special needs kids and the reality is, is that adults love kids. If they're teachers, they usually love kids. That's why they're at a school. And they really love the special needs kids because we have a special place in our heart for kids that face challenges, who's, for whom life doesn't work as automatically as it might for somebody else. So right. a lot of times what was happening in the morning, I'm sitting there with my little notepad out um, and I'm writing down, um, somebody came in that, that busy door, the hallway door. And Charlie screamed. They left. Somebody came in that busy hallway door and Charlie screamed. And they left. <laughs> in that busy hallway door, 
Charlie screamed, and then they left. And that <laughs> happened over and over and over again. And so then within about, you know, I, I knew what was going on within about 10 minutes, but you also don't want to be that person who comes in and says, oh, I already know the answer. Thank you. I've already got it, you know. Right. So I said, I said hmm, I think I'm developing a, a theory here. What are you all, every, let's everybody pay attention now. So what, what we realized was that when the back door that he couldn't see and he really couldn't hear open and closed, when it opened and closed, he didn't react to it or rarely right. if ever did because he didn't hear it. He didn't see it. The other door was right there in his line of vision. Now the people are saying, well, what is it about a door? I mean, doors open and close all the time. Yes, they do. But mm -hmm. guess what a door means? A door means potential change. Right. Oh my God. When that door opens, somebody's either coming in or somebody's going out. Change. Yep. change and I knew I was and that, that was my hypothesis and then I was very thrilled to read doc, Dr. Temple Grandin mention exactly that in her book one of her books where she said doors meant change for me and they caused anxiety because I didn't know what was going to be on the other side of that door right I didn't know what, how, what, was, the, what was the change going to be and how was it going to affect me wow so we sat yeah. I sat down with the teachers and I said I'm pretty sure it's this door not the back door. And they said, well, we, this door, we can't lock it. We can't, I said, no, but we can stop everybody dropping by to say hello. Right. And, and greet all the cute little kids. I get it, but it's upsetting Charlie. Right. So we made a rule that said, don't come in the classroom unless you have to. Yeah. <laughs> if at all possible, if at all possible, come in the other door. Right. Because that's more subtle. And now, and again, we didn't do that until Charlie graduated from high school. We did that temporarily in the pre-K classrooms until we could get Charlie stabilized and feeling safe. And once we stopped using that big door, that noisy door, as we called it all the time, Charlie's behaviors went so low that you couldn't even, you, you would be like, he's fine now. He doesn't even care. And right. then we were able to deal with what doors mean, which is change. But we couldn't deal with that in the moment because he was freaking out. And it was happening right. so often that he spent, he would spend um, sometimes the first hour in the classroom because that's when people were coming and going so much. He would just sit there and scream and cry. Oh. And I, well, he's learning, he's losing all this learning. Now, let me tell you one more story about Charlie because Charlie was adorable. The teacher said, we go out on the playground and Charlie does not listen. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, we have to keep him safe. So she, right. I said, well, what is happening? She said, well, we have a rule that kids can only go about as far as that tree right there. And I'm like, oh, not the fence, not a hard barrier, a tree. I said, okay, well, I think your neurotypical kids may understand that that's the barrier and maybe Charlie doesn't. That was my first hypothesis. Right. So I, I said, well, let me see. So we went out on the playground and Charlie starts walking away and she's right. He's walking away towards the tree, towards the imaginary boundary. Right. And he says, now watch. She says, Charlie, stop. Charlie stopped, turned and looked over his shoulder and kept going. And she said, see, and I said, Charlie did exactly what you told him to do. She says, no, he I stopped. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I know what you think you said. You think you said, stop, turn around and come back. Because when you say stop to every other kid on the playground, they know what you mean. 
You told Charlie to stop and Charlie stopped. He even turned and gave you eye contact. Oh, you ought to be grateful for that. And then he went on because you didn't tell him what you wanted him to do. You thought he would understand that because it was inferred. Mm-mm, or it's implied, no. excuse me. Implied. And, and it's implied. Yes, it was implied. And Charlie did right. respond to implication. Charlie can't infer what you mean. Charlie needs you to say, stop, turn around, come back. So she exactly. Said, really? I said, Let's try that. So we played a little bit and then we let Charlie and Charlie stop, turn around, come back. Charlie turns around and comes back. Wow. Um, I could say, golly, gosh, oh, gee, I'm the best therapist ever. Or <laughs> I could say, no, you know what it was? We we were assuming that we were being clear in our message and we're not. And if right. we're not being clear in our message, that can induce anxiety, fear, uncertainty at the very least. Mm-hmm. And all of those then can contribute to some behavior problems. Right. Wow. That is incredibly enlightening. And it's just so interesting. Like, I I think adults even have that uh, communicative barrier sometimes, right? Like, sometimes you don't realize that someone doesn't get your implied message. You're like, well, I mean, I understand that in my own brain. So why don't you get it too? Exactly. And and we have to be we have to be cognizant of that because when we have a miscommunication with another adult, oftentimes it's like, well, I thought you meant, well, I thought you meant, but mm-hmm. neither of us said explicitly. And sometimes we just need to say, I'm just going to say this explicitly, not right. because I don't think we're both intelligent, but I want to make sure we're both understanding. Exactly. And when we're clear about what the what our concern is, um, then people can respond accordingly. And and then we know what to do the next time. It's like, oh, right. you know what? I thought, yeah, it's funny. Um, I, I used to teach a little segment on um, male-female communication because that, you know, you have to throw those little tidbits in when you've got a classroom full of almost always young women um, who, mm-hmm. and I was like, yes, have you tried to communicate with a young man recently? Yes. <laughs> How many of you have said when he says, where do you want to go to eat? You've just said, oh, I don't care. But what you really meant was in your head was you should know where I want to eat because you um, say that you love me and care about me and you should understand and you should be able to know what I want. Um, (laughs) I always said, how did that turn out for you, you folks? Not good. Right. Because guess what? Men can't read minds. Right. Shocker. Yeah. Men (laughs) cannot read minds. Neither can women. Right. Women women may read some nuance and some body language a little better, perhaps. There is some data to support that. But none of us can read minds. And we all do better when we know explicitly and clearly what is expected of us. Right. Because when I have unclear expectations, somebody said, oh, you can do whatever you'd like to. I'm like, okay. If I'm really confident in the subject, I'm like, yeah. But if it's something new, I'm like, no, I need you to tell me one, two, and three, what I'm supposed to do. Exactly. Now I'm I'm anxious. And if I stay anxious long enough, I'm going to get mad. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. We do ourselves a service when when we're clear and direct with our peers as well, our adult peers. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that's all the questions I have for you today. But if you have anything to add, we would love to hear it. 
Um, I, th- I think I ran my mouth pretty, um, pretty thoroughly. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess the takeaway, the takeaways are you have to be prepared. Right. Yeah. You, you, know, you can't just go, oh, I'll just fly by the seat of my pants. No, 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 no. You get a child with meltdown behaviors or problem behaviors, pay attention to the antecedent. Make sure your toolkit is fully stocked, literally and figuratively, and um, make sure that you're observing the entire situation and not just this little sliver to try and figure out what might be happening. Right. Well, thank you so, so much for being here today. This was, super, like I said, super enlightening and very helpful, um, and we really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the invitation to participate. Um, I'm so excited about this new podcast, and I can't wait to hear all the great information that you all will be sharing. And I really appreciate you inviting me. Yes, of course. Well, thank you also to the audience for listening. Um, Just make sure to subscribe and rate and review. And hope you guys all have a great day.